Konnichiwa, everyone. Welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I'm Timothy Styles, and with me is uh, my co-host, professional wrestler and trainer, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. Shashina tota intaska. Say, say what? <laughs> that's about the only phrase I know in Japanese, and that's "Can I please have a picture with you?" Oh. I learned that when I met Liger. Oh, is that right? Yes, sir. That's funny. He didn't teach you anything else? like No. No. <laughs> I didn't learn anything else. I suppose if you're a professional wrestler and you go to Japan, you should know certain key phrases. Hello, goodbye, and um, no chops. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you ask for no chops, they're probably going to give you two for asking for none. <laughs> right. Anyway, folks, welcome to the show uh, where we respect your time. Unlike some other professional wrestling promotions out there. Bah humbug. <laughs> bah humbug is the perfect thing to say every in any situation. Yeah, I use it year round. I also here's something else I do. Uh, whenever somebody says something that I agree with, I uh, in text form, I always text back. Hashtag me too. No matter what the scenario is, it, it always, helps out. It always gets a laugh. I'm not trying to degrade the Me Too movement. I just think it's a fun thing to reply. Yeah, man. When you agree. Anyway, so I said, my name is Timothy Styles. You're listening to Turnbuckle Boogie. With me is Cutthroat Cody Hancock, a professional wrestler and trainer of young minds. And uh, I just want to mention that if you're interested in supporting the show, we don't have a Patreon. We don't even have ads. A good way to support the show at this point would be to follow the show on Instagram. If you're one of those Instagram cats, at Turnbuckle Boogie, and Cody is going to tell you uh, about Future Stars of Wrestling. So, not to be too long-winded, but I do wrestle for Future Stars of Wrestling, and if you are ever interested in seeing me uh, fight people in spandex, you can uh, check me out at fswnetwork.com, give us a subscription, and watch some wrestling. Yeah, good times, but enough of the plug-in, let's boogie! So this week, um, I've been, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of Japanese pro wrestling, actually yeah. not just limited to Japanese. Like I woke up this morning and watched two Will Ospreay Walter matches Oof. back to back. Oh no. Uh, and one of them took place in, I think Ireland and the other one, uh, who knows, maybe England, but, uh, God damn, they were good. But by and large, I've been watching a lot of Japanese stuff uh, just because I'm uh, America and I are on the fritz as it were. Yes, sir. And while I watch stuff, I'm constantly researching things because, you know, I want to know who certain people are. And I love, you know, this show really is about the history of professional wrestling. And although I wouldn't claim to be a historian, I would very much claim to be a history enthusiast. You know a thing or two about a thing or two. Yes. I've read many a books, watched many of uh, interviews, shoot or otherwise, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for the people that can't see you also are always wearing a very nice hat. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I'm ashamed of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so the funny thing this week was as I was watching something, I forget what it was. I was just, you know, going over looking at things and I happened to come across, uh, a list, um, a website that had a list and the title was 15 greatest professional, uh, Japanese professional wrestlers of all time. Yep. And I stopped in my tracks and I go, Ooh, I wonder who's on this. It's gotta be Kenta Kabashi. Mitsuharu Masawa. Who else would you put on the list? Uh, on the list, I would put Tenryu. Yeah. Uh, absolutely amazing. Jumbo Tetsura. Right. Uh, what about Giant Baba? Giant Baba. We're talking about like all all Japan guys right now. Right. Well, okay. Uh, and yeah. Anton, uh, uh, Anthony. Uh, well, why am I? Can't even say his name. Antonio Inoki. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Gesundheit. <laughs> I was, was going to say Antonio Rocca or whatever. <laughs> Having a stroke. I mean, Ricky Dozen. Yeah, uh, I mean that should be a layup, Ricky right? Choshu, Ricky... Tatsuyumi uh, Fujiyama, Fujinami. Right. Yes. So Ricky Dozen. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the guy, despite being Korean, whoops. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah, maybe we should. But I mean, was a fucking hero in the wake of Hiroshima and Nagasaki being completely blown off the map by America. Yep. It was Ricky Dozen, who really, not exclusively, but united the country, you know, and he used to fucking, you know, put on these matches where he'd beat up on <laughs> Americanized characters. Yeah, I mean, one a match to actually go back and watch was the match he had with the Destroyer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these matches took place in the wake of an absolutely tragic moment in Japanese history. Right. And he became a fucking hero. Right. Like Much, a fucking, uh, pardon my French, but a, a superhero. Yeah. Much like Santo was for the Mexican culture. Ricky right. Dozen was for the Japanese culture. Yeah. Big time. But, uh, uh, and you know, <laughs> so sad his end. Yes. I suppose I didn't look too, uh, in detail, I don't know offhand. I know it has something to do with uh, Yakuza. More or less. He was murdered, essentially. He, he was murdered for lying about his, his Japanese heritage. heritage, right? Because he was either partially or 100% Korean of some yeah, sort. Right? Yes, and there was still a lot of bad blood between the Koreans and the Japanese. Right. And he was executed. Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. I should have read some more on this before we started. <laughs> well, I mean, that's more or less the dude got killed by the Yakuza because he said he was Japanese and they found out that he was Korean. How uh, prominent is the Yakuza still anymore? Uh, well, you you don't hear it's, too much about them, but I mean, still exists, yeah. you, you could see in like the early pride pay-per-views mm. like you just have these japanese dudes sitting in the front row wearing business suits with sunglasses right Tats i mean i yeah i collar i wonder where i wonder where those guys came from you right. know where'd you get those seats yep and there's there's stories about the yakuza throughout the world of wrestling i know that there's a crazy uh sabu story floating around when he was in Japan and he had a run in with the Yakuza. Did he? What did it happen? Uh, the exact details we would have to end up looking up, unfortunately, but, uh, that gross generalization. Hit he, me. 
he got himself into a lot of trouble and they were very mad and he was able to walk away with his life. That's, so that's good. He's yeah. Fun. Apparently the Yakuza love wrestling. Well, we've always known that I think, because yep. even like uh, as I, I feel like I've heard like stories of Yakuza sponsorship Yep. as, as, as recent as like what, 10 years ago. Yes, sir. You know, so it's still very much a thing. And God bless American pro wrestlers. Never one to turn down a free meal. <laughs> Absolutely not, man. I'm waiting for mine as we speak. Yeah, no shit. So, <laughs> but the funny thing was, so I saw this uh, this link to the greatest 15 professional wrestlers, Japanese professional wrestlers of all time. And I went, okay, I got to see what this is now. Uh, <laughs> so for someone that says you don't click the bait. Well, this wasn't clickbait. It wasn't. I'll give well, you that. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll say give you that. It is clickbait in after you in read that it. <laughs> it. Well, it's clickbait in that it's a here's a list. You're gonna want to find out who's number one. You know what I mean? That it's a cheap way to do things. You know, when we were kids, they would do a list. A magazine would do a list once every five years. Yeah. You know, Rolling Stone, the greatest hundred bands of all time. You know, and you go, oh, and it would be a big seller for them. Yep. Now websites just release lists at all times because it draws eyeballs because there's something in human nature that makes you go, I want to know who yeah. it is. Do they agree with me? And if they don't, what's wrong with these people? Yep. Uh, so it was clickbait, I suppose. And yes, I'm not prone to clicking on clickbait, but I was very much interested in Japanese pro wrestling uh, as, you know, as weeks leading into this, as people who listen to the show regularly, know, you know, uh, me and American wrestling are on the fritz. Yes, sir. So I clicked on it and <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. It's sad. You know, last week, I think actually we talked about journalism and pro wrestling and uh, where they're neglectful or how they can be just piss poor as journalists. And in fact, I would question oftentimes whether these websites, how legitimate they are. Because it seems like they're more interested in rumor mongering than they are in actually researching facts. In today's day and age, I feel like before the Internet, there was a level of criteria that you had to meet in order to actually become a published journalist. I think you actually needed a degree, first of all. Yeah. And you don't need that anymore. All you need is a keyboard and a computer screen right. or even a cell phone. And this is the result of what you have in journalism now is these people that they just want to tell you their opinion. Right. And. And start a dialogue, man. Yeah. Which yeah. we're doing here. Boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so now to give a little context, because this was important. Uh, this list, because I wanted to make sure, this list was written nine months ago, and it was off the website sportlister.com. So fairly, I, I nine fairly months recent. ago is not that long ago. The point is, it, this list didn't come from twenty years ago, right? So I would factor this in as a current day list. Uh, it it should be. Now, with that in mind. I'm going to work in reverse order, just like the list, and we're going to discuss this. Number okay. fifteen. Kenta. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not too offended by it because if you look at his body of work in pro wrestling Noah. How about his influence? I mean fucking th CM Punk owes him royalty checks, dog. So does uh, the American Dragon. Yeah. 
like it's it's something that I think it's a real big shame because when Kenta actually went to WWE, he had his whole entire moveset stifled. Right. And then it he was also a huge American wrestling fan because if you go and watch his later work in Noah before he got signed to WWE, mm-hmm. he was doing Randy Orton's comeback in matches. He was doing Brian Danielson's submissions. And I really do think that he loved American pro wrestling. But meanwhile, his impact on American indies, as it were, you know, you can look at that Ring of Honor trilogy of matches between CM Punk and Samoa Joe and see his fingerprints all over it in a multitude of ways. Yep. You know, which I I really think was probably a a high watermark for American pro wrestling was during that time where they're really having a go at strong style. Yes. And God damn it, was it fantastic. And a lot of it was influenced in a major, a major way by Kenta. Yes, and I agree with that 100%. So seeing his name on a list is not offensive at all. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. Although I even wonder, 15 might be kind of low. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just based on his impact, not his personal impact, because like I said, he went to NXT and it was a big deal. And it's like, all right, this is prior to people letting them keep their names. He became Hideo Itami. And then he was quickly overshadowed by Prince Devitt. Yep. Uh, which is so unfortunate. Because well, in the, even Nakamura. Um, Nakamura, like, man, it was so hard. Introducing first to my right, the challenger. Weighing 85 kilos. Kid. His opponent to my left, weighing 110 kilos, he is the GHC heavyweight champion. Misawa Mitsuharu! He's still doing it. He's still there? Yep. Uh, oh, here's a question. Kenta, all caps. Not in this list, though, which I thought, you know. Well, you have to scream his name. That's why it's all caps. Is that why? No. It's the question I wanted to ask. Walter, Kenta, there are a myriad of other people who just go by a single name, and it's all caps. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know the history of it or why it is. I don't I, I don't know the history I, of it or why it is, but I think that it's bold because, I mean, there's a Japanese wrestler for New Japan back in the day named Akira, mm-hmm. and it was all caps. So there's there's a myriad of Japanese wrestlers that, like, go by one name that are just in all caps. Right. And I don't know the exact I just wonder, like, of it. Yeah, like, like, how do they control, like, what's your name? I'm Kenta. Oh, Kenta, that's not all caps. I didn't realize you had, uh, you can dictate the capitalization of your own. Well, I guess if you want to like make sure that people see your name in bold print, you got to make sure it's all in all caps, baby. 
Yeah, I guess. My but, brother I uses mean, as all a rest- caps on the internet. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 15 Kenta, uh, not all caps, according to this guy, which that was the first red flag. I go, hey, buddy, you mess it up. <laughs> it's all caps. all caps. You dumb fuck. Number 14. <laughs> this one, I got to tell you, I was really underknowledged on. Kenzo Suzuki. Oh, and um, here's the here's the funny part because yeah. under, underneath the names that they list, they give a, a brief history, and I'll tell you, this one I paid close attention to because I I I went, who's Kenzo Suzuki? Yep. Am I wrong for not knowing this? And what he cited was this guy stood out and he was in La Resistance. I'm like La Resistance. What the fuck? Yeah. So. Kenzo Suzuki came from the New Japan system, I believe. He mm-hmm. ended up, uh, I can't remember if he went to Mexico first or if he went to WWE, but he got signed to WWE and was just immediately misused from the get. Mm-hmm. And as far as Japanese wrestlers go, he wasn't very iconic. Right. And he was so. To have him and I make can't a tell list, you where he's gone since. This list was made by somebody who had very limited access to actual the Japanese <laughs> wrestling footage. And, like, I appreciate the fact there were some things. Well, that, don't spoil future uh, entrance uh, and, here. And, but, and, and I'm not going to, but there were some things that he did that were okay. But, man, like, greatest of all time, no. Yeah. Just no. When I don't know who the fuck Kenzo Suzuki is. Exactly. So. <laughs> so it's not like some elitist thing that, oh, you should, you know, what do you mean you don't know who Kenzo No. Kenzo Suzuki should not be on that fucking list. Oh, without question. Especially as I go down this list and you start realizing <laughs> What about so and so? What yep. about so and so? You'll be <laughs> you'll start pounding your fist. What the fuck's with this guy? Yep. Uh, number thirteen, Whew, not high enough. Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. So let's not put him in the top fucking five or three. You know, like right. literally the most influential junior heavyweight wrestler of all fucking time regardless of country and the his story is incredible he was turned away from the new japan system because he was too small Mm -hmm. and then he decided to go and start lifting heavy and eating heavy so he could go back and be reconsidered uh the man that invented the shooting star press right um had a storied career all throughout the world the reason that i know the phrase Sashina Tota Itaska was because I knew I was going to meet Yushin Liger and I wanted to have that phrase because I have a rule about taking pictures with wrestlers and it's don't, but I had to get a picture with fucking Liger. Right. I broke my own rule for Liger and I also had the opportunity to train with Liger. Um, He did a seminar and it was incredible. And what about not to breeze over the seminar, anything come out of the seminar just off the top of your head that you can or want to share? We got to see his butthole. (laughs) So, Go on. <laughs> um, I, I've been waiting to tell you this story. Uh, oh, my God. Well, eventually I figured we would have a uh, uh, Jushin Liger episode. Or I, uh, I figured now's as good as time as any. So Eastside Cannery was holding a Mecca event for FSW. Mm-hmm. And there was a Jushin Liger seminar. And there's people that came all over the place to attend this seminar. Mm-hmm. 
And it was actually kind of cool because in the little tiny uh, ballroom, you could look out and see the hotels and you could see Liger's gear uh, hang drying like outside of his hotel room. Like it's no big deal. It's just kind of like seeing Superman's cape. Right. Right. And then Liger comes into the seminar and he's wearing his training mask, which doesn't have the horns. Right. Um, and he's wearing an oversized shirt. And because power lifters often wear uh, either clothes that are way too tight or way too big. And he's just wearing the shirt that kind of hangs on him like a skirt. And it's like, all right, he's just comfortable. And he has training spats, which are long tights for men. Right. And you don't want to call them long tights because they're men. Um, and then we start doing uh, tiger pushups. And for those that don't know what a tiger pushup is to give you a visual description, it's kind of a downward dog yoga pose that is turned into a three point pushup. Oh, so, so you're, you're curling in it's downward dog combined with Cobra pose combined with a pushup. So you were turning in hiking up and repeating those motions. And Liger was not very happy with uh, people's performance of this because it's very common in Japanese calisthenics, mm -hmm. but it is not common anywhere else in the world. So Liger, he, he did it in a, he wasn't mad, but he's like, no, 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 guys, you're doing it wrong. It's like this. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to get in the ring and Lazarus, who is one of my students at future stars of wrestling and also a really dope wrestler and a tag team called creature feature is next to me. And then we found out why Liger was wearing an oversized shirt. And it was because, unfortunately, he had a hole in his training spats <laughs> that was, man, I could not. It was directly over his asshole. Right. Like directly over his asshole. So we all got to see a very intimate part of Yushin Liger that day. And I've been waiting to tell you this story on air since we've started this fucking show. Well, you've seen the guy with his mask off and anus. Yep. <laughs> And the we'll save more of my. I have more Liger stories. We'll save it for later. Yeah, we'll save it for the the Jushin Liger episode, season that, two, folks. That he deserves to actually have an episode completely on his fucking own, and not number thirteen on a fucking list of the greatest wrestlers of all time, no Japanese shit. wrestlers of all time. I think about this, and really think about his influence on America. Yes, because. You know, he goes to, I believe he had a spat in ECW before. It he... wasn't ECW, it was WCW. Well, I mean, yeah. but a lot of the sort of junior heavyweights from Japan made a stop in yes. uh, ECW before they then were migrated over to WCW. Yes. So, all right, maybe he didn't, but uh, he was in WCW and during a time where cruiserweights became the thing it was for it, hardcore wrestling enthusiasts it was the the best part of cards for smart fans right yeah man yeah and so think about his you know prior to then who could you name that was really undersized who was popular or getting tv time in america outside of uh oh boy who's the satanist that i can't think of right now in wcw the booker man Oh, Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. But besides his short ass. Yes. <laughs> Double foot stomp from him didn't seem so tough. Even though he was uh, probably had some size, he wouldn't be a cruiserweight. He's just short. Yeah, he was short, but man, he was a brick shit house. Oh, without question. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go on. Number, oh boy, <laughs> I just glanced out at the list. <laughs> yep. <laughs> on yep. the list of... 
15 greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. Number 12, beating out Jush and Thunder Liger, by the way, Kairi Sane. <laughs> so I like Kairi Sane's work. Yes, of course right? we but, do. But she is so new, right? She, uh, like her body of work, I don't know how long she's actually been in the business. It could be longer, but as far as... Well, she main, was in stardom. She was in stardom, but as far as like a mainstream draw, and let's keep in consideration, this is an uncomfortable thing to mm. mention, but here's the truth. I love Japanese uh, women's wrestling, but there's also some kind of creepy neck beards that only exclusively watch stardom, right? Stardom is a promotion that deserves its credit, but unfortunately its credibility is stifled by creepy, weird fucking cis white dudes. <laughs> cis white dudes. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, um, I was, I, whenever you see the, the I don't know, I don't understand hentai porn or any of this wacky Asian shit that for some reason white nerds are into. Yeah. It fucking weirds me out. Yeah. Which is why uh, there's a character on the cartoon Archer. Okay. He's got a, he's got a, uh, a, I think he has like a van with like an anime chick with giant cans on it and he has a fucking hologram anime chick as a girlfriend and yep you know it's like and it's played for laughs because he's a creep yeah but secretly there are a lot of fucking nerds who uh play up on this impulse and i ain't down with that shit yeah but i also won't limit it to uh japanese women's wrestling Correct. i'm sure there are a lot of dudes who are like yeah we could use another glow type show so we can see some titties flopping around it's like what is your problem and, man? and unfortunately there is an element of sexualization that is put in some places man like right. and that's to me it's a shame but i do not to take like, once again i'm but not taking away some, credit from stardom and there's some legit hey man uh, like I say, I don't just across the board go, Ooh, Asian girls, because yeah. I, 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 I seriously question whenever I hear like, Ooh, Asian girls are so hot. I 9.5 times out of 10, I'm like, I'm not attracted to them at all. Now, yeah. There's a handful and specifically Julia woo out of sight, yes. but even she's half Italian. Yeah. Half Italian and also a tremendous worker. Bro. Like, I mean, she's fucking dope. And, but I don't feel like she's a smoke show. Stop. I want to and, talk more about Julia. And, Woo. and my friend in 10 years, when Kyrie Sane has been able to prove her worth. Right. I think that she would be more than deserving to earn a spot on the greatest of all time. Right. She has not been around long enough to be considered the greatest of all time. I think if you're going to be on a list of greatest of all time. Yeah. You have to have had some sort of impact somewhere. Yep. I mean, her career is still, she's in the middle of it. Yeah. She went to WW. I don't even think she was fired. I think she just went, all right, I'm done here and, yep. and, and fucking left. And I don't even know if she's returned to stardom. Yeah. I've not seen her pop up anywhere. I'm not familiar either. Yeah. But at the same time, greatest of all time, not yet. Not even not yet. I don't see it going in the trajectory where she would end up on a top 15. Yeah, man. But, Her elbow drop was really do oh, good. Oh, without though. question, yeah. the best elbow drop you've ever seen. seen. So if that's, that's the just list. one move, yeah. yeah if man. we're doing fucking best elbow drops, I go Kyrie Sane, number one, Macho Man, too. Who? Yeah, man. All right. Uh, who's number three? Would you say Shawn Michaels? Absolutely. He's got a good one. 
Shawn Michaels for sure. Perry Saturn also had a really dope one. Oh, poor Perry Saturn. Yeah, Christ man. almighty. Nice. He seems like he's doing good. Does he? Yeah. Cried. I, I almost thought he was dead. Yeah, he did too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 11. Buckle up again. Yoshi Tatsu. <laughs> Should I just go on to number 10? Dude. <laughs> So once again, even more evidence that this, this dude, guy does this, not know anything. This dude's knowledge of Japanese wrestling is just people that were exports into WWE system. Well, here's That's what I, his fucking knowledge of Japanese here, wrestling. Here's what I think. I think he went, I'm going to do a list of 15 greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. And he went to WWE.com and pulled up the the roster history or yeah, something. And, it's, and he went, here's 15 people. Yep, here we and go. He, and he probably named every Japanese person. And <laughs> I like Yoshitatsu. Sure. Right? I, I, like, I'm not trying to take the piss out of him. I'm not trying to say that I'm not a fan of him. When we're talking about greatest of all time, man, he's not a blip on the fucking radar. Right. And that I feel bad to say that, man, because I think that he is a good wrestler. Yeah nowhere no i'm sure if we had yoshitatsu sitting in this room he would go what yeah someone changed this list this. i need to be lower down or off of it yeah man well if you think that stinks <laughs> get ready for number 10 <laughs> eo shirai okay well and listen once again it just goes back to somebody that's career is just now kind of in its infancy yeah you know not like even close to its apex right the beginning i'm and i think that she's great i think that she's fantastic but when you talk about like greatest of all time mm -hmm. you're talking about people like fucking rick flair right. you're and not, i know it's a japanese list but if you're going to talk about greatest of all time man mayunami toyota right you, you, asia kong you hey know, don't spoil my list right, oh well, first of all bull nakano Spoiler alert, she's not on the list, folks. And I was just about to say Bull Nakano. Right. Like that, but that's the problem, is that you this this list is made by somebody that absolutely Doesn't know has fucking zero fucking knowledge of wrestling in Japan. He only has knowledge of Japanese wrestlers that have come and wrestled for fucking America. And I don't even think he has knowledge of that. It, I think it, he that's found, obviously I fun, think he yeah. went to WWE.com and 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 found every Japanese wrestler that ever wrestled there. Yeah, man. And 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 put them in an order that he found satisfactory. Yes. Despite the fact that uh, even putting them in order is way off. Yes. Uh, all right. Number nine. This is one I think we can agree on. Tiger Mask. Yeah. Without question. Absolutely. And if we're talking about, there's been multiple iterations of Tiger Mask. What do we so, have, four? Uh, yes. Uh, so, Satoru Sayama, we'll just focus on him. Mm -hmm. um, He's the one that had the matches with... Uh, Dynamite. Dynamite and fucking... Really, probably one of the more influential yes. on today's professional wrestling, for better or for worse. You can actually go back and still watch Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask matches, and, and not they only, still hold up. Not only that, if someone recreated those matches move for move, step for step, it would be a five-star classic today. Yes, it would. And it's not like sort of modern-day stuff where, sorry to... to, to uh, 
attack modern day wrestling, but where everything is completely sort of planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is plenty of planning, they look like they're fucking fighting. Dynamite Kid in his book swears that they weren't called spots, which is, I'm sorry, man, it's bullshit. Right. Like, well, no, look, I think that was written poorly. Yeah. If you've read the book, folks, not you. Pure dynamite. Uh, it's clearly a lot of bullshit. Yes. But if you read enough wrestling books, there are, you know, somebody will say like, oh, I started a feud with so-and-so and then it went on for two years or whatever. They always say that by the end, they didn't have to talk. So I can under and look, dynamite, yeah. dynamite kid and tiger mass actually wrestled quite a bit. Yes, sir. And I'm sure that by the end they weren't talking. Yeah. Even, you know, the short stinted words that they were probably using, you know, key phrases and stuff. Yes, sir. I think even like, who is it? The cactus Jack feuded with I forget, uh, in his book. He said that they had like key words that they would use. Like you're the danger man. That meant, I can't that meant, remember that either. That meant that you're on the offense, Fence, or whatever, right? You know. But anyway, I'm going to carry on. Number eight, Ultimo Dragon. I'm okay with Ultimo Dragon. Yeah. I mean, like he had a huge. Once again, another person that made a name for himself all over the world in Mexico, in America, in Japan, was heavily involved along with Skyda. Uh, who was probably one of the dopest luchadors that people don't know. They trained a core group of people with Dragon Gate. Right. That it was originally Torimon, and then they eventually changed the name to Dragon Gate. But there was a slew of wrestlers that came out of that camp that are absolutely amazing today. Ultimo Dragon, I think, deserves a spot on the greatest of all time list. Fair enough. Although, how did his career come to an end? Just... He casually retired, and that was that. No, he still just randomly does shit. Really? Yeah, he he still does things. Wild. Yep. Num- number seven, Tatsumi Fujinami. I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. once again, man, like, you have a pillar of New Japan Pro Wrestling's core history, and had incredible matches throughout his career, deserves a spot on the greatest of all time list. Right. Ten years have passed since an event that shocked the wrestling world, particularly those like me have spent a good chunk of their fandom watching Japanese wrestling, or prowess as it's often called. For us, especially those who started watching in the 90s, one name stood out over them all, even in an entire collection of legendary Hall of Fame stars. That name was Mitsuharu Misawa, the greatest of them all. In the 90s, he was to Japanese wrestling what Brett, Austin, The Rock and Triple H were combined to the WWE. There was no one more popular, and arguably there was no one better. And on June the 13th, 2009, he passed away. More than that, he passed away in the ring. There have been others who have suffered the same tragic fate, but none of them were as high up as Misawa. At the time of his death, he wasn't just the president of his own wrestling company, he was still right at the very top of the card when, really, in all measures except popularity, he absolutely shouldn't have been. Misawa's death should have been preventable. It shouldn't have happened because he should have, by that point in his career, done more than enough to walk his weary body off into the sunset. This was not a wrestler who died in the very prime of his conditioning. This is a story of someone continuing far beyond a point where they should have stopped. 
Not even because they wanted to, or they were addicted to that rush of the crowd, but because they felt they had to. Number five. Now this one I'm a huge fan of. Tajiri. Yoshihiro yeah. Tajiri. Now, as far as after seeing his career unfold, I would put him on a grace of all time list. Yeah. You know, like he, his style morphed um, after having his ass handed to him by Sinjahiro Otani mm. is which where he got the trio woe sliding drop kick in the corner and Otani kind of roughed him up in that match. And then all of a sudden, Tajiri changed. He went from his blue and white tights to the long pants and like, Oh, is that what did it? Yeah, man. Cause I mean, he had an ECW, uh, either a couple or a few matches in those blue tights where it was, I mean, for that, for that, uh, Philly crowd and for me at home, otherworldly like we yes. hadn't seen shit like that before it was probably was super crazy yeah and and also Tajiri had a lot of time being able to get training from all around right. you know like, yeah because he was on excursion yeah the, the the lucha training that he received and things of that nature no Tajiri I would put on a a best of all time list for sure without question god damn it had one of the coolest nicknames ever the Japanese buzzsaw yes sir I mean, if that motherfucker had a free uh, kick at your head Good I, I'm sure that Joey Styles needs to get a nod for that. It, that seems like a Joey Styles just spat out. What, the Japanese buzz song? Yep. Yeah, like a throwaway line that, that catches. Yes, sir. Dude, he was so dope. Yes. And me and my friends love the tarantula, despite the fact that it's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Number four, edging out Tajiri. And by the way, I've seen this chick fight, dude, uh, fight Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki. Yep. Asuka. Um, and by the way, get her ass kicked. Uh, oh, again, got he fucked up. He did not pull any punches. He fucked her up so bad where I literally thought like, boy, I hope she's okay. <laughs> I, so I think that from her body of work in Japan, as well as her body of work in America, mm-hmm. you have, let's honestly take um, a look at the fact that she has made such a dent in WWE system yeah. that I think that arguably with the amount of people on the list, like a uh, Yoshitatsu and a Kenzo Suzuki, right. the fact that they just did not know what to do with them, right. but they, they bought in with Oscar. They really bought in with her. And I think that it paid off in dividends. And I think that she, she deserves a spot in that list. Ba- I'm based on her history. And her actual success, I'm sure Vince McMahon heard her doing the fucking crazy scream and was like, ha great, pal. Yeah. She's fucking exciting. Yeah. You I, know? And it, he's he's right in that matter, in my fictionalized version of him in my head. I had the uh, opportunity to, uh, I showed up to the school, uh, the Future Stars of Wrestling school one day, and Kikutaro, uh, who is a Japanese comedy god. Yeah was there with Asuka and she Kikutaro was is the dude with the fucking, the big ears. Yeah. The, the big ear mask the mask. Well, Christ, he is weird. Uh, that dude, I'm sure he's a bad motherfucker. Oh my God, man. Like he, so, you know, all of those crazy transitions that Asuka does to get in and out of the, the uh, chicken wing. Right. I watched Kikutaro teach her that. 
Right. And then I also had the opportunity to help them with an emerald flosion. Right. And she unfortunately couldn't pick me up. So <laughs> we uh, we got myself in a position to where she could pick me up out of the corner to do it. But I think that um, Kikutaro does not, people do not realize how good he actually is. And Asuka was so fucking sweet. So sweet. She's a good follow on Instagram too. Yes, sir. She is a, a, ter- a, a terribly charming person in real life. Once again, I'm not prone to finding uh, Asian women like uh, where I don't go, where I swoon. Mm-hmm. But uh, nice lady. I'll put it that way in, she, a, in, a, in, a, in a polite way. She, uh, she is a Las Vegas native as well. So she is? yes, she is. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. Yeah, man. That's, that's how that Bro, I hope I bump into her at target. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Asuka. Yes, sir. Oh, and then I get the vapors and pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Just fall over, crack your head on the floor. The last time I went to a TV taping, uh, I was, there was a long line of cars and I was kind of stuck underneath a freeway overpass next to the, uh, the hockey stadium where they were doing it. And, her and Kyrie Sane were just dragging their luggage down the street in the back. Uh, not to uh, tell people like uh, there, uh, what's it, Dean Martin Road or yes. what are the the road that's right behind the the strip in between the strip and all the hotel casinos. They're just walking down the street by in a, a long line of actual cars, and there it's unmistakable. This chick has rainbow colored hair. Yep, and she had her the makeup on, you know, with the strip across the face. Yep, and it's like. Jesus Christ, she she should have someone should have gave her a ride because that's a long walk. It is a very long walk to go from hotel to hotel with your luggage and your gimmicks on. I'm sure she's I'm sure she was fine. Number three, the great Sasuke. I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, as far as greatest of all time, I'm this one. I actually am surprised that the dude found this name yes well you know it wouldn't be hard to find that name because for those that don't know um when wwf actually introduced their light heavyweight title it wasn't takamishinoku who was supposed to have it right. it was Ashley great sasuke right so apparently what happened was is that he spilled the beans in a Japanese press interview mm. and said, well, I'm getting the WWF title and the WWF light heavyweight championship. Mm. And as soon as I get the belt, I will not defend it on American soil. So there was a working relationship between Mishinoku pro and WWE. Mm. For those that don't know, you can go on YouTube and actually witness a match between Jinshe Shinzaki, who was Hakushi and WWF who feud with Bret Hart against the undertaker and a Mishinoku pro match in Japan. Right. And not a lot of people know that that match exists. And it is correlated with a match that uh, Jinsei had with the great Muda in New Japan later. So it's our before. But Sasuke was supposed to be the very first WWF light heavyweight champion. Right. Um, And just to throw this out there to anyone who might find him interesting, because he is an interesting dude. Yes. No one looks like him. And I think he was pretty original at during his time there was there's an a innovator great, i mean there's a great documentary too that has english subtitles that's available on youtube about, that's what i was going to mention yes please tell people about that well i was just going to say there's a documentary i think it's just called the great sasuke it's on youtube so it's free shows uh i think he married some some mexican lady yep <laughs> and they got uh 
kids and and he was still wrestling at the time of this documentary so also was doing his best to become a member of parliament parliament in japan you know like was involved with the japanese government really? and like showed was up he... with his mask on right you know <laughs> and he he does everything mom and pop man like he hits the streets with a megaphone like hey there's a wrestling show please come support right you know and he's tough as fucking nails yeah i one of the greatest of all time absolutely yeah this next one uh i don't know to how to debate it on this particular list but he is one of my favorite japanese uh wrestlers shinsuke nakamura at number two i think that his body of work in japan um ended up setting a president for himself in america and in nxt uh the match he had with um, Sami, Sami Zayn. Zayn. His debut match. One of the best matches that any American professional wrestler or any WWE uh, uh, proud fan will ever get to see, in my personal opinion. Yep. And then you had, when he got pulled onto the main roster, uh, it seemed like they were getting ready to buy in. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is just assumption. Um, from watching it happen right. from an outsider point of view. So the marquee matches that he had in Japan, where he's taking on guys like Okada and Shibata and Suzuki. Right. Um, they're, they formed chaos. Yes. There was another match that he had with um, Kazushi Sakuraba, who I'm a huge Sakuraba fan and Kota Ibushi, like he's murdering right these people in these matches and we all we love strong style right sure but unfortunately and we've talked about it with shibata before there is a caveat it's a pretty big one too when it comes to long-term damage right so then you had when he got pulled up to the main roster and now the strikes don't seem like they're making the same contact. Well, look, they're just not, uh, they're not the executives at WWE would never yep. allow such a thing. They'll allow you to call yourself the King of strong style because it sells t-shirts. Yes. Um, but y- if you could, the first time Vince McMahon or anybody sees him full on blast a dude. Yeah. Uh, game over. And, and I think that that's a very, very unfortunate thing because I think that when you watch the tapes of him in Japan and then you watch the tapes of him on main roster, right? Uh, WWE, there is a very big contrast. Uh, There is a little contrast. He still, so he does still have moves in his repertoire. Oh, so (laughs) fancy French. How I said that. So fancy. Uh, that look stiff as shit. Yeah. But they ain't. And that, right. and it, there, it's a good, you know, the Kinshasa, that running just knee strike. Now, yes, I, sir. just common knowledge, I can go, I can see how you could do that without killing a man. It, well, and but, he's got really long legs too. Correct. So, which helps. Right. But, uh, um, but it does look to the untrained eye as the stiffest, scariest shit on their entire roster. Absolutely. We've seen a billion cutters. No one gives a shit, you know, but this dude running at you with those 
crazy knees. Woo! Get out of the way. And I do think that the longer that he has time to adapt to not murdering a motherfucker, but learning how to take care of somebody while you look like you're murdering them. Right. And I think that he's kind of getting that groove now. Right. There was a lull period with him, but I think Well, that I think he's been on that groove for a while. Because yeah. he would not still be there if that were the case. A thousand percent. I mean, that really is, you know, the the difference. Yeah. You know, between Jap- Japanese and American, you know, the different styles. If you look at all the different styles of professional wrestling, whether it's hardcore, comedy, lucha libre, catch, hooking, mm-hmm. uh, uh, strong style, King's Road, which in an, uh, even though it's also Japan, it's different from it's a, strong style. It's a much different style, and it also has a lot to do with the way that they lay the story out in those matches. Oh, without question. Yeah, and then there's American pro wrestling, which it's funny. It's 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 not even really a style. It's it's a. I don't want to say. It's more about the flamboyancy when people try to describe what's American pro wrestling style. Oh, they bring in stuff from all over the the world, but they also play up all this sort of uh, show busy kind of elements. The one thing that I have found uh, speaking from uh, just experience when it comes to training people Mm. is that the best way to describe American pro wrestling is, is crowd control. Like it's like, you don't have a lot of people that do that. You do. You say his crowd control, just, just crowd control in American wrestling in general. Okay. Sure. For instance, um, just knowing how to rally a crowd. So in other words, the way you would describe, uh, American pro wrestling is that it's more psychology based. Yes, absolutely. Because Lucha Libre is a million moves a minute, a hundred miles an hour. Lucha Libre is a Cirque routine. Right. That's what it is. It's exciting. And then English hooking and catches catch can grappling based. Right. But not, but you don't think they as much, pay attention to the psychology of things. Although uh, the funny thing about uh, the UK is that they really do suffer the most from trickle down economics when it, uh, as it pertains to the WWE sets the tone for the industry and then people either choose to embrace what they do or rebel against what they do. And, and they, a, a lot of UK based promotions you watch and it's like, and even more exaggerated and cartoonish at times. Yes. A uh, version of the WWE. And so the, the elements of psychology and European wrestling are certainly there. However, the moves that they are doing, America is a lot of punch kick, right? right? Whereas in Europe is a lot of hook hold. Right. But they still use the elements of psychology of good guy and bad guy. Right. World, world of sport. Um, the rule system was laid out in such a way with multiple rounds and things like that. But if a pinfall happened during the rounds, the match was over. So, and you would see lots of closed fists punching behind the referee's back. Right. And then all of a sudden the baby face is about to punch the heel back in the face, but Ref then it happens. Him. Ref catches them. And then like, so th- 
um, there is an element of psychology used that is very similar to American pro wrestling, but the way they go about it with where they place their moves Mm -hmm. is very different. Yeah. Very different. Everyone on their feet here in the Manhattan Center. Misawa trying to put away Kenta, but he fires away. Back and forth they go, combination of elbows. Damn, I love King's Road. Yeah, my favorite. We'll talk about it more in a second because yeah. I want to mention the last name on the list. It's hard to argue with this one. Antonio Inoki. Yes. Without question. Yes. I mean, once again, you have somebody that... Isn't it a shame that his WWF title reign does, is not count, or is not respected by the company? They don't count it? Well, I mean... he beat Bob Backlund? I think maybe even in a shoot. Yeah. And so Inoki... Uh, really took what Ricky Dozen was trying to achieve right. and he ran with it after his passing and he created the idea of blending real combat sports right. and integrate it into the fantasy world of professional wrestling. Right. And sometimes it worked very well. There was a period of time where it did not, unfortunately. And that was... Although, I'll say, sorry to cut you off. It was the early 2000s where he really pitched his focus towards mixed martial arts. uh, And the company really started to falter. Now, part of it was, I don't think that they had the uh, exciting talent... That requires, you know, even the UFC, they're not doing gangbusters right now because they don't have the Ronda Rouseys and yep. the Conor McGregor's on regular tap, as well as the, the plethora of other people who were super exciting, who just wanted to be flamboyant and, and you know, put on a show because that shit puts butts in seats. Yep. They're kind of missing on those people. I think during that time in New Japan, they were kind of missing those people. It's not to say that there weren't greats during that time period. Yep. But to fitch, uh, to really fully put all your weight behind the sport aspect without the sort of entertainment aspect, uh, abandoning it. Yes. It was a down period. And, and it's unfortunate, man, because I, once again, though, I think another reason why the popularity of mixed martial arts kind of went from being 
I remember there was an interview that Al Snow did years and years and years ago where he is like mixed martial arts will never be as popular as professional wrestling. And he said that at the peak of the attitude era. And then the popularity became so huge because one, when, when there's something that's a competitor that buys out all their competition and sucks it fucking dry and makes a monopoly WWE, people are going to look for an alternative and the alternative was mixed martial arts. And it was more exciting because these people are really smashing each other in the head. Now the early days of mixed martial arts you had, and it's debatable, debatable by some, whether or not some of those were works and some of them were shoots, but you had, I thought they were all, well, no, no, no. I, they're all shoots. Yes. I mean, UFC originated with, um, who was it? Hoist Gracie. Yes. Or the Gracie family. Yes. Basically starting the tournament to showcase how their brand of martial art was superior to every other brand. Which was a very exciting time because you had bare knuckle street fighters right. you had bar boxers bra- yeah it was like the sumo yeah. versus the bar brawler yeah you know and, and it was an interesting tournament and th- sometimes the fights ended up being like really exciting and sometimes they ended up being boring but right. then you had because they did prove that brazilian jiu-jitsu was think, actually a, a tremendous fighting style and i think a couple years in a row and i mean they they had and they used the most and I remember hearing about this. I forget where I heard it. Maybe it was a documentary, but they used the most, the least talented member of their family who practiced this, you know, Gracie jujitsu to execute it, to show that, yeah, even the guy who's the weakest in our family could beat the shit out of all these maniacs using jujitsu. Right. And before long, everybody started learning jujitsu and because if you did not know going into a match, you're going to fucking lose. And now it's common practice, you know, to have a belt in jujitsu, no matter what your striking game is. And that is also where I think then becomes the reason why we're kind of in a decline in the world of mixed martial arts now is because the majority of fighters are utilizing Brazilian jujitsu and wrestling. And so the excitement, of seeing that um, different styles and things of that nature has gone away. Mm-hmm. Then the implement of more rules originally, no fish hooking, no low blows. Right. Well, now they have to protect their fighters because we're starting to discover that if you get hit in the head one too many times, you might become a fucking maniac. Right. And I appreciate the fact that they've implemented these rules, but at the same time, it does take some of the sensationalism out of the sport. Whereas pride, you could see soccer kicks to the fucking head and yeah, but you also might see someone murdered and who wants to see that. And, and, but I do think that, uh, and like you said, the turnaround, right. Mm -hmm. Of the longevity of a mixed martial arts fighter, unfortunately is not going to be as long as a 16 time world champion in Ric Flair. Right. He, well, so to piggyback on Al Snow's comment, I understand probably what he was getting at. Yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of people thought that wrestling would go out of business. Yeah. Uh, and he was probably saying that they'll never bend to mixed martial arts in that way. It's the reason why the, the, Pro wrestling is like the cockroach of the entertainment industry. Yes, it sir. will always exist. Yep. Um, because, and, and it's the reason why, you know, um, 
it can be consistent because you can always pivot whenever you're not drawing money. Mm -hmm. Now the WWE apparently doesn't give a fuck anymore and fuck them. But, <laughs> you know, a booker would see like, Christ, we're, we're losing viewers. All right, let's get, uh, you know, Jack Jackson in there to hold the, hold the strap and see if we can raise the, raise the ticket price around this fucking place. UFC can't do that. You no. either got draws or you don't. And, you know, the, the great thing about pro wrestling is that it's episodic television and you book it in, in advance. You know who's winning and who's losing. And if it doesn't work, you can book it a different way. You yep. can't, can't do that with, with, with UFC. No, you can't. So, but anyway, so that is the end of the list. Let's close out by obviously talking about <laughs> the names that weren't on the fucking list that Bro, fucking should have been there. How about this? <laughs> uh, how about this? I mean, if you're talking about wrestlers who made it, here's, who who Japanese wrestlers who went to America and were a big name. How come this motherfucker never even mentions the great Muda? Yeah. What in the fuck? Well, and well, that's how I think he was on the WWE.com website. Yeah. Like you are missing probably the, the biggest success story in America. I would, I would say that as far as, uh, Japanese talent goes. Muda's career in Japan is probably probably much higher marked than his career in America. However, his influence on the actual industry and in whole, how many people do the mist? Bro, how many people did he influence on this list? Right. Tajiri and Asuka. Asuka, absolutely. And, uh, you know... And more, I'm willing to bet, just that I'm just named the two people who do the mist. And he... And Kijimoto... Uh, which was the wrestler wrestler. And then great Muda is the alter ego. Right. Um, the creation of the shining wizard changed the industry. Right. Um, to the point now to where it is just as popular of a move as the super kick, mm -hmm. you know, and it's something that the fact that his name is on the list is baffling. Um, Masawa, right. Like Masawa died in a fucking wrestling ring, dude. Right. He, and he did it because he felt like he had an obligation to keep a company afloat because he made pro wrestling. Noah after giant Baba from all Japan died right. and giant Baba's wife did not want to make new stars. So he is like, well, I'm going to literally build Noah's Ark. And I'm going to take these people away from you and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. Isn't it crazy that he took her entire roster except for two people? Kawada. And who was the second? Oh, I don't remember offhand. But yeah. Christ almighty. Could you imagine running a promotion and everyone but two people leave? Yeah. And, and <laughs> Good it, grief. And the beginning of pro wrestling Noah, man, like it was... Apparently the argument was Masawa was like, Hey, we really need to make Jun Akiyama the next guy. Right. Because all Japan was built around a booking style that was created by Baba that involved four key players, the four pillars. Right. You had Akira Tayu, you had Toshiaki Kawada, you had Mitsuharu Masawa, and, and, my, then, and my dude, Kenta Kobashi. Absolutely. Motherfucker, so, fuck shit up. One of the greatest. And all, correct me if I'm wrong, there's not one of the four pillars on that list? Not one. Okay. And quite honestly, at the very least, Kenta Kobashi and Mitsuharu Masawa yeah. would be in the top 
three, five? And just as a side joke, it's very crazy to me that Akira Tau aged into Giant Baba. Like, <laughs> right. absolutely insane. Like, not even in the same gene pool as far as I know, but they might want to pay for that 23andMe ancestry kit. Because, right. man, there's got to be something there. But there's, there's so many. It's, it's crazy. This guy's limited knowledge and that he did not utilize the internet at all. At all. Seemingly at all. To, I mean, the no Hayabusa. I mean, we can go on for days and days of all the, the greats, uh, you know, from the <laughs> across the Pacific yep. that have participated and helped influence the entire industry. Even people that this dude probably, I'm sure he loves Daniel Bryan. Yep. And or, you know, fucking every week, uh, Eddie Kingston is posting some thing about some Japanese wrestler in yeah. history that he's a huge fan of. I mean, it's a modern cat. How could you not know and then decide I'm going to write a list? Right. And but unfortunately, this is the thing, too, is, is that you have a lot of people that they want to be experts without actually becoming experts. And everyone has a platform to speak now with the Internet, which is a good thing. And oftentimes a thing to where we can literally talk about this for over an hour and just how flawed the fact is, is like, once again, man, like there is so much information out there mm -hmm. and I, I don't claim to know more than I know. I know what I know and I could know more sure. like, and there's moments in time where I actually do and go and do a little bit more research and things of that nature to learn more about a specific wrestler or a specific time period. Um, I told you about my project with all Japan in fire pro world, right. you know, like I made an all Japan roster and every wrestler that I plugged in that I didn't know, I watched either one to three matches with them right. and Masanabu Fuchi is ruthless and walter does a lot of his spots and he's the 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 thick dude from all japan is he not the he, one that looks like uh um one of the free birds no he's just this little unassuming dude that was just a push your shit in i'm gonna put my fucking foot in your fucking face while you're bent in between the ropes and oh. just brutal shit and i'm beating myself up because i can't think of who that guy was the iwgp heavyweight champion christ that looked like uh, bam bam terry cordy haircut Ooh. and all man i'm drawing a blank on that same too. body type same haircut anyway but whatever. more or less man like there's just all this stuff to know and there's just this i think there's just this validation with wanting to know more than you actually know without actually understanding that you might not know as much as you should know. Right. And before, especially before putting pen to paper, as yeah, it were. before you're going to speak on a platform, right? You should read a, uh, some fucking books, read some books. Or if you're not into reading, man, there's plenty of audio. If you're not there's, into reading, right. you shouldn't be a writer, right? It, that's number one for sure. But that's the thing too, though, is that there's a lot of ways to take in information now. And that is the beauty of the internet. But people aren't using the internet for its full intent, man. Like, right. you can learn a lot of stuff, but instead, you would rather just say that you know a lot of stuff. You know, this list was made by somebody that, while I appreciate the fact that he was passionate, because mm -hmm. if he wasn't passionate, he wouldn't take the time to do this. Right. But at the same time, my friend, read a book. 
No shit. But let's say you had a, a, a top three list that you were going to do right now. Who's who's on the top three? Top three, I would put Masawa. I'm going to go number one, Kenta Kobashi. Okay. I, I might go number two. I don't know. I fucking do like Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki is he by the end of his career he will be one of the all time best and the weirdest old guy hipster you've ever seen in your life. Yes, sir. The, yes, not, sir. I have not seen a guy <laughs> dress so hip at that age. Good grief! I would say Kijimuda, and I would probably throw my final one would would be Masawa. Yeah. I would I would go Masawa, I would go Muda, and then for the representation of a junior heavyweight, I'd go Liger. Yeah. Like that would be my three because you have the representation of somebody that had multiple gimmicks in Muda. Right. Somebody you, with major influence. Masawa. And yeah. then you had somebody who innovated. Innovated, which was Liger. You know, like that would be a top three for me. And I also think it's superfluous, man. Like, I think we've talked about this before. When somebody asks me, well, who's your favorite wrestler? I can't tell you who my fucking favorite wrestler is because I just love wrestling. Correct. There's way too many wrestlers that I fucking love. Yeah. I love Matt Bourne, man. Doink the Clown is the fucking man. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck what anyone fucking says. And I own a, I'm a proud owner of a Doink the Clown shirt. Yes, man. you are. And the thing with that is, though, is that and going back to the what I tell my students and like start watching people you fucking hate and then learn from them because everyone deserves to be there for some reason. There are some people that are head scratchers like the great Kali and things of that nature. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of oh, who would I not like more than the Miz? And then you just dropped a, 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 a bombshell. Yeah, man. And so and there's some people that, you know, are complete anomalies and then you have to understand what the decision making is and that like, okay, well we need a guy that's seven foot tall, giant Gonzalez. Was he a great wrestler? No. Was his outfit ridiculous? Absolutely. Bro, it had pubic yeah. hair on it. Was he there to put the undertaker over and make him credible for being able to drop a seven foot dude on his head with a tombstone pile driver? Yes. That was, that was his purpose mm. and that's what he was there for. So, but Everyone deserves to be there at some point in some way, you know, whether it be representation, whether it be skill and ability. And there are some people that are just kind of confusing head scratchers, but they don't stand the test of time. You know, like the great Kali is a hero in his home country, right? Will be forgotten or remembered as the worst shit ever in the rest of the planet. Yes. And so unfortunately though, but here's the thing, man, is like they wanted representation, for that corner of the world. And they got that. And wrestling is also very subjective, like not only uh, in the way that it works, but also in the way that it's viewed because you will like something from somebody that I might not be the biggest fan of and vice versa. And the understanding that it's subjective makes it impossible for me to give you a fucking list Carry your thought. That's keep it. Keep going. Now that's, but I, I can't tell you like who the best of all fucking time is and tell it with one, two, five, ten. There's been so many people that have been involved in the industry. It's to me, it seems like a very fruitless endeavor to be like, all right, guys, this is it. These are the 15 guys and girls that are the best of the world. And then to have 
the people that were on that list. That's insane. Yeah, so fuck you, guy. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by TJ Fogarty and Cody Hancock with music and web production by Timothy Stiles. If you're interested in booking or information on Cutthroat Cody, please go to cutthroatcody.com and follow us on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie. See you next Monday.